this podcast episode mentions drugs, alcohol, suicide, and abusive relationships. These are our personal stories, and we are not mental health professionals. This is not a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health or personal advice. Thank you for joining us today on And Life Happened. Our guest today is Giselle, and she's going to share her story about becoming emotionally resilient. Thanks for joining us, Giselle. Thank you, Jessica. I'm happy to be here. So share your story with us. Yeah, absolutely. So my story starts, um, I guess, like everyone else, where I did not get any guidance on how to cope with or manage my emotions. Mm -hmm. And so at a very early age, I learned to see my emotions as an inconvenience. Uh, It was like inconvenient for the adults I was around. So I ended up with all these feelings that I didn't understand. No one cared about how I felt, you know, or they were unable to handle it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I grew up with uh, alcoholic and drug addicted parents um, and step parents. And I grew up between homes a lot. I shuttled around between homes. I didn't have any stability, any really. Um, And uh, there was a lot of abuse, as you can imagine, a lot of neglect. So eventually I found drugs and alcohol or I turned to drugs and alcohol myself because that's how I saw the adults around me coping with how they felt is by escaping it. And I escaped from a very uh, early age, actually. I I would escape in books and I would escape in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I was 12, I found alcohol kind of subdued my emotions. So that was a help for me because I had a lot of anger, a lot of rage, um, and I had nowhere to put it. So I started self-destructing in a way like self-sabotaging and Mm -hmm. went down that path of uh drugs and alcohol and and all the kind of horrible things you do when you're trying to get a fix and Mm -hmm. and I didn't know I I actually ended up uh attempting suicide and and then a series of fortunate events I'll say Mm -hmm. led to me me being rescued essentially by extended family Mm -hmm. and that gave me an opportunity to get sober get cleaned up um but it didn't uh address the emotional pain it it was just Mm -hmm. kind of a reprieve it was like a a pause a break uh from just the chaos uh, that was what I knew for Mm -hmm. so long and uh, I actually found it really difficult to accept love and, and accept care from this, these relatives because uh, I just had so much anger and I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't trust anyone. Um, and so I got cleaned up a little bit uh, at this point. I wasn't in any kind of recovery program. I was still kind of, I went back to drinking, but not heavily. And um, I ended up in an abusive relationship and then that ended, fell apart. And uh, it ended and I fell apart, I should say, because I had mm-hmm. been using him as a fantasy as well, like using him as a force, form of escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that was taken away from me, when that was gone, because the reality of the, re- the relationship uh, was that it was really toxic and I didn't know how to cope. And so I started going back. It was a slippery slope where I started mm-hmm. to get afraid that I was going to end up back at a bottom. I didn't like where I'd gone. I didn't want to attempt suicide again. Um, And so again, 
a series of fortunate events. I had someone who had a partner in a recovery program who was close to me and uh, they helped me. They helped me find a program. They helped me to stop using drugs and alcohol. And, and so I entered this program of uh, recovery. Yeah. And uh, I thought I was getting, you know, help to stop using, but mm -hmm. then the reality was that I, I took away the, the tools I had to cope and I was left with all my feelings mm -hmm. <laughs> and no way of coping. So for a long time, just attending meetings regularly and doing the things they suggest in these programs was my replacement, was my way of, of managing. And mm -hmm. then I decided, um, you know what, I need to face these emotions head on. I need to, I realized that like, I'm never going to get rid of them. They're always mm -hmm. going to exist. And rather than always looking for an external thing to mm -hmm. fix it, or I was like committed to going within and really like spending time with them and really getting to know them. Um, because I thought, okay, if you're going to be here, I might as well know you. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it just got me on this path of getting to know my emotions better, starting off with sadness and grief and anger and then, you know, in more recent years, fear, I think fear is a big theme in the past couple of years mm. and shame. And I learned in that process of just like really self-reflecting, using my spiritual tools, using uh, the, the things that I've learned. I, I learned to see my emotions in an empowering way. Like I learned to see that my response to them, I could choose my response to them because I had learned other ways of mm -hmm. responding to them. Right. I think right. a lot of times we're told, oh, just choose not to be a victim or just choose not to be like this. Right. And it's mm -hmm. like choice requires options. Like you have to know other ways. Right. You know, or you're always going to choose the way that, you know, right. Or the best of, you know, terrible options. So I started collecting different ways of responding to them. And so, uh, yeah, I learned to do that and learned how to work with them and experience them and respond to what was actually calling within me like what was the underlying need that needed addressing mm -hmm. rather than you know responding to I think a lot of times we learn to respond to them in ways of like escaping them or feeling better mm -hmm. and I, I had to really learn that like what they're calling me to look at so if it was anger like was there a boundary that I needed to set and how could mm -hmm. I do that respectfully? And, and when I would address that boundary, that anger would subside because that was what was truly trying to get my attention. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So then it helped me awaken to my power and my sovereignty. And it, it helped me to realize that I could value myself and care for myself. Um, and, you know, I'm really, really grateful for this for a long time. I wanted to find self-love and I was looking, you know, all these different places to find self-love. And I realized all I have to do is get rid of the obstacle that's standing between me and that self-love that's already there. And for mm -hmm. me, that was shame. Mm -hmm. And so I had to get to know shame. I had to get to know, okay, what are you showing me? And, and move through that emotion. And as a result, like I feel empowered today, even when I feel terrible <laughs> because yeah. I know there's a way to move through it and I know that there's on the other side of this process is like a stronger version of me yeah um, 
Yeah. So today, as a result of all of that, um, I'll just say I have an amazing husband today. I, I mean, I went from hating men because of my past to mm-hmm. being married to the most kind, caring, amazing man. Um, I never thought that would be possible. I had, I just had my first child mid pandemic. Amazing. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations <laughs> you. to both of those. <laughs> Thank you. But I mean, having my child first time, not having, you know, any mother or anything in my life, mm-hmm. having that pain, that wound there. And then, you know, being isolated from everyone. And mm-hmm. it was, <laughs> talk about emotions like talk about emotions there's a lot yeah and I tried to push through against my better judgment I mean I know better by now but still I was like you know we don't have time to process all of this and uh so I suppressed it and it it started to pull me down and Mm -hmm. I had to decide you know what you know you know to go deeper you know, to stop yourself out of this. And so I had to go deeper into my emotional resilience practice. So now I can say that, you know, I'm connected to who I am as a mother. Uh, I'm connected to who my daughter is. I'm excited to teach her about her emotions. She's teaching me Mm -hmm. about emotions. Like, it's so amazing to watch a little person before the conditioning. Like, she's like a raw human. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's like all ego. And I'm like learning so much about like, just being a person um, from her and and when she has her emotional uh, expressions, you know, her tantrums that she's having now, it's like, Mm -hmm. I can understand that they're not, you know, she's not having a tantrum to give me a hard time. Like, you know, there's something calling that she can't communicate with words and it's coming out through this expression. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm always learning. Yeah. Always learning. Um, and in, in all my relationships in general, it's helped me to make amends. Like guilt has helped me to make amends and, you know, shame has helped me to love myself more and all of these emotions have really helped me. And so I decided to go do some, I mean, I had some studies that I had done Mm -hmm. and I decided, uh, you know what, I'm going to help. I want to help others. I want to teach people this because I think, like I said, our emotions are always with us. And so it's better to get to know them. It's better to like give them their own room with their own drawer and their own toothbrush rather than <laughs> always trying to push them out, <laughs> you know, cause they're, they're always going to keep coming back. And, mm-hmm. and I know that exploring them has just helped me grow exponentially. Um, and I think that's what they're for. So yeah, that's, that's my story in a nutshell. I love it. Congratulations on everything that you have worked towards and overcome. Your story is very inspirational and your voice and hearing you talk about it, it, it feels like it's giving me permission to also look into my emotions. And I mean, you're happy about your emotions and you're, you know, like I know it was a negative experience at times and I know that there were rough things that you went through, but the way you talk about dealing with your emotions and your feelings seems like, (laughs) wow, I want to go, I want to go look into my emotions and I want to go look into my feelings. It's exciting and it's contagious. Um, So tell me a little bit about how you, like, how did you start to focus on your emotions? Did you um, do it on your own? Did you have help? How did you do it? 
Yes. So I would say that a lot of it was done on my own. And when I say on my own, I do have a belief in a higher power. I do have a spiritual connection. So I don't believe I'm ever truly on my own. Um, and I did have spaces uh, like my recovery meetings and the people that I started to attract into my life, like my husband, mm-hmm. I had safe spaces where people could, you know, support me in the, in the way of just allowing me to be messy and allowing me to figure it out. Um, I wasn't in an unsafe environment anymore where people were shutting me down or people were telling me, right. you know, yeah. forget about it or what I had the support to just like, I'm figuring it out. I'm messy. I'm expressing it. And then I'm, you know, but it was a lot of alone time for me and a lot of self-reflection, a lot of, jur- I have so many full journals, mm-hmm. a lot of journaling and writing and asking myself questions and being curious and truly listening for a response I used to take a lot of walks in the woods and in like early morning when it was just mm-hmm. quiet and just hearing the c- things would just kind of come up I would just have these thoughts like these realizations and a large part of it is just having the courage to ask myself honest questions and to be honest with myself and to stop kind of rationalizing why I shouldn't be feeling this way or what I could do to not feel this way and start to just say, okay, this is how I honestly feel. This is my yeah. honest experience right now. And that was kind of the beginning that, that led me there. And the second big piece I'll say is learning to sit with my discomfort to literally mm-hmm. pause. Like yes. there were times I would literally, uh, yes. I would literally just like stop. I'd be like, okay, I'm vibrating right now because everything in me wants to act and to move and to do those things that will bring me relief. And I'm just going to not let myself do it and, and freeze like a statue sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then I look for other ways. I go, okay, how can I experiment and just try something different? Cause I always do this. I always reach for this. What if I try something else? And just that kind of just led me to where I am now. I have a couple questions for you. So journaling Mm-hmm. when you were journaling, did you use blank journals or journals with questions? How did you choose to do that? Oh, that's what a worked? good question. No, I've always done blank journals. Yeah. I've always okay. done blank journals. Um, I haven't actually tried a journal with questions to be honest, but I asked myself so many questions. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah. what kind of questions would you ask yourself? Well, I would ask myself questions like, okay, what am I honestly feeling for one? Okay. Um, okay. I would ask myself questions like, why is this upsetting me? Like mm-hmm. not, not the obvious, you know, this thing happens. So I am upset. I think that's how our brains are conditioned to think, uh-huh. but two people can experience the same event and feel completely different. About oh, it, I agree right? with so you 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. So there's a reason within us specifically, like unique to me mm-hmm. that this is my experience. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, getting curious, but why specifically is this upsetting me? Like, what is that? What's underneath there? Um, and then asking myself questions like, why do we have anger? You know, kind of like in the sense of like, why, you know, does the sun rise in the West and set in the East? Like just in a general sense, like why, why would we have these emotions Mm -hmm. if they served no purpose and just being curious. And like, I didn't get the answers all right away, 
But I stayed with the question for a while until I was like, oh, and then I started noticing things and it became more apparent. You know, it's kind of like we don't think about it because it's so we're all it's built in like we have arms and we don't have to think about how to use our arms. Right. Right. But we have emotions and we, we don't think about how to use we don't think about like, okay, well, if we were created with these emotions, why? You know, they must serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of went into just exploring what that could be and observing myself and observing other people kind of led me to some more clarity. Love it. Love it. Love it. I have, um, I asked about whether or not there were questions or not questions. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, I have blank journals that I used to use when I was younger and I haven't had them as much as an mm. adult, but I used to journal all the time. And I had um, similar life experiences that you have expressed here. And when I was in those life experiences is when I journaled a lot. And then I hear about journaling now and um, I have a couple that have prompts, but I've been trying to decide, do I go and get just a blank journal? And, and the idea of it, um, I kind of go, will I go anywhere? Will I type Mm. anything? And hearing you talk about it, I think it will be helpful if I, try both I'll go get a blank yeah one. And, yeah um I have one that is um it, it's a two I think it's called two minute mornings or something like that oh yeah uh, the five minute morning ones oh well, it's I can't, I can't see it it's on my shelf um but I have it so every morning it's just a gratitude journal yeah it's called two minute mornings and a journal to win your day every day and I love it you get up and you you talk about what you're grateful for that day and what you're going to focus your mm-hmm. intentions on and yeah. that's wonderful, but that's not the same as what you're expressing here. And I'm thinking, I'm going to go get myself like, <laughs> a journal. Nice <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got one that was like watercolored pages and it uh-huh. just, it's so calming. And I was like, every, it's just whatever I want to talk about to someone. I'm trying to process through things. Mm-hmm. I have questions and I just write it all out. So yeah, mm-hmm. try both. And I also have the three minute positivity journal and it, mm-hmm. it is jam-packed with stuff on every page and I haven't been able to connect with it if that makes Mm. sense you know it's it's just not the right one for me and it's beautiful um it has so many wonderful things in it that I think it works probably well for many many people and I'm thinking maybe that's when I needed a blank journal so I'm going to do that I appreciate you mentioning that um something else I thought was really incredible you said um, and I didn't write down the whole sentence, but you said, mm-hmm. I asked about how, like, was this um, in a, like, in a program with help alone? And you said you had the recovery meetings, yeah. um, but really it was who you were attracting. You said who I was attracting was yeah. different. Tell me about that, because I think that's huge. And I think that um, our listeners would want to know more about that. Why were you suddenly, and probably not so suddenly, attracting (laughs) different people? Why do you think that was? Well, it's interesting, because initially I was attracting the same people. (laughs) And then I, but my awareness was different, right? Mm -hmm. So in the example of men, because I got into the program because of my relationship fell apart. And I had always attracted emotionally unavailable men because I was, you know, I was conditioned to earn love, you know, being in that home of neglect, being in that home of like no one caring about how I felt. I just wanted to prove that I could make someone care about how I felt. So I went after men like that. 
And initially, when I first got clean, I, I mean, it's recommended that you don't, you avoid mm-hmm. dating. And I did for the most part. But, you know, you meet people and, you know, I was interested in someone. I was spending time with someone and I had made a commitment to myself to act differently. Mm-hmm. So not jumping into bed with anyone or anything like that. And I attracted a guy who I had a lot of fun with. We, you know, did not engage sexually or anything like that. But he was so emotionally unavailable. He was mm. like the exact type. And I, I came to like a crossroads where I was like, I could continue spending time with this person in the hopes that it becomes something different, or I could see the opportunity that I'm being given to choose a different path. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped seeing him. He was not happy about that, but not my problem. (laughs) (laughs) I, I stopped seeing him and I told myself that we are going to date Giselle. We are going to have fun. We are going to explore. We are going to show up fully and authentically and we are going to deal with rejection and I mean I say all this now because it's in hindsight right at Mm, the time I was like I at the time I was very much in the mindset of like I'm going to experiment I'm going to experiment and see and play with different options and different alternatives and like that's kind of something I mentioned early on in the interview about like being able to choose we make better uh-huh. choices when we have better options, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, look, this is all I know. And I want to explore different options and get to know different things. So I like started dating a bunch of people and uh, I was attracting all different types of people. And then I attracted my husband. Another thing I should mention transparently is that I spent time um, becoming clear on what I honestly wanted. A long, for a long time, in suppressing our emotions, we also suppress our honest feelings, our honest thoughts, our honest beliefs about things. Mm-hmm. For a long time, I told myself, oh, I don't want to be a mother. I'm not going to be a mother. I'm not going to be married. I would tell mm-hmm. myself this is like a defense mechanism. And so getting clean and starting to get honest about what I was feeling, I also had to get honest about what I really wanted in life, which was to be a mother and to be married and, mm-hmm. and to have that life that I didn't have. And I think getting the combination of getting really clear on what I honestly wanted, listening to myself and just like, I didn't share it with anyone. I just wrote it out myself. This is what I honestly want. And then also like experimenting with different behaviors than I had in the past and being intentional, intentional about trying different ways of showing up. Those two things are, what uh, I think ultimately started attracting different people and experiences to me because I was open to it. So I will share um, my current husband, my only husband. <laughs> like, <it's> like <laughs> I've had so many. <laughs> no, but my husband. Um, so my husband is also different than who I had dated previously. So is when you said it, I went, "Yeah," mm-hmm. yep. because a, a lot of the things. Not all, but we have some very similar um, childhood experiences. And mm-hmm. um, I was choosing the wrong people, truly mm-hmm. choosing the wrong mm-hmm. people. And I had to say to myself, if you're going to continue doing this, you're going to have the same result. And, you're, yep. and, and you need to start looking for something different. And boy, was he different <laughs> than what I had ever, ever looked at. Um, 
I mean, it, it's the lack of certainty. Like our minds are so like they're certainty magnets. Like we want assurances of everything. And so the familiarity is the thing that's like, okay, this is safe. If it's certain, it must be safe. Right. Even though right. it's not, even though it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting. Um, and I wonder, I, I'm, sh- I wonder how many people don't get that moment of clarity. Mm-hmm. And um, because I, I, I have always felt very lucky that I had the wherewithal at that age right? Um, because I think I was 21. Oh, wow. Yes. I met him at 21. Um, Good for and, you. Yeah. Yep. It was right after my 21st birthday. I met him and I had the wherewithal to say uh, just prior to that, obviously that um, this, I've got to be better about this. I've got to be yeah. intentional. And I went, I went completely different, right? I went, um, he, he looked different than anybody I had dated. He Mm. behaved differently than anybody I had dated. And let me tell you, he called me on my stuff and, and, and pointed it out. And it was amazing because, um, other people probably would have, the people I was choosing before would have just hopped on board. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're going to go on the same train as you. Yes. (laughs) And so um, it was wonderful. And I mean, I I remember to this day a comment that he made. And um, we were, you know, just started dating. And I stood there for a second and went, yeah. Because even though I had chosen to be better with my intentions, I started reverting back to old behaviors. Yeah. So I was treating him like as if he was going to do the things that were happening before. Right. It was Same wonderful. Here. So, Same um, here. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, they, they say we're not really at, at 21, you know, um, our brains are not fully formed right. and, and developed. And I am just so grateful at that moment that I had that moment of clarity and, yeah, um, yeah. you know, so um, something else that you said was safe spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's more that you can unpack about that, but how did, I, I'm kind of wondering, how did you know? Um, the difference between the safe spaces and the unsafe spaces? I didn't at first, for sure. I didn't trust any safe, any space. Like I, I had mm-hmm. mentioned when my, my extended family had taken me in and it had to help mm-hmm. me clean up. I could, I couldn't trust their love. I couldn't receive it. I was really resistant to it and hesitant mm-hmm. to it. Um, I think I was just tired of always being on guard. I think I was tired of always being mistrusting mm-hmm. and I was I told myself that I would approach it as an experiment and just see how it went. If I trusted, see how it went. If I just showed up consistently, see how it went. If I just listened. Um, And I think the theme has just been like experimenting and trying a different thing to see what happens. Cause I had just done the same thing for so long and I was exhausted because we do the same thing and we get the same results. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I went to these meetings. I didn't get clean right away. Uh, but I kept going. Um, and it, the thing that's beautiful about 12 step programs for anyone who hasn't been is that there's a consistency and the consistency kind of breeds trust. It's like every meeting you go, they read the same things and Mm -hmm. they talk about the same things and you can count on the meeting being a certain way, no matter if you're in a different country. So it's that level of consistency that like subconsciously leads you to feel more trusting of it. Um, and, and so, yeah, I just kind of built on that and 
obviously not everyone in those spaces are safe um but just cautiously opening myself up and cautiously you know trying something different kind of breeds uh confidence it breeds like the motivation to keep trying different things and uh yeah um is there anything else um that you would like to share that maybe we didn't touch on i i just want to share that like we are in the most uncertain times ever i mean times were uncertain before but we didn't know it we we had you know a lot of certainty around a lot of things and a lot of change and going through change myself personally like changing you know initially it was chaos and that's how i saw it uh-huh. um, and i've learned to kind of understand change as this opportunity for me to learn different options and different avenues like when i got clean it was a change of life and when i started trusting people it was a change of how i approach relationships and and so it's like looking learning to kind of see it as more of an opportunity than an obstacle learning to kind of do it incrementally as much as i can tolerate and sit with the discomfort as much as i can tolerate and know that like my brain is just trying to give me certainty to make me feel safe mm-hmm. but that doesn't always mean that it is the best course or the best option and so trying to be cautiously open minded and trying different things has really helped me to be resilient and also being really honest with myself about what I'm going through and knowing that it's all valid and right that that is just what I guess I hopefully could leave people with um I'm so glad that we were finally able to connect. Um, I do want to share with our listeners that um, Giselle has her own beautiful Instagram account. um, And I'm going to read it to you because the image says the Mighty Emotions podcast. And then the account handle is at Mighty underscore emotions. And I'll say that again, at Mighty as in strong, Mighty underscore emotions um so if you're looking for the image you'll see it saying the mighty emotions podcast Uh, it's a beautiful account and she has very helpful um tidbits pieces of wisdom on her page and also of course her podcast Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it's i mean it's beautiful the the account is truly beautiful um so please check her out and i learned so much from you today and i feel like I, I, f- I feel it's so strange that the things that I went through, um, even though they were so different, they're so similar. And I think that other people will resonate with that as well. And it's, we all have those emotions and that's what your, your story yes. really tells us is that we, every single one of us um, have emotions and they're here and we can learn from them. So I truly appreciate you joining us today, Giselle. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. And yes, we all have emotions. They are what make us human. And we need to remember that. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to And Life Happened. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will continue to listen and like our podcast. If you would like to support our podcast, you can do so by sharing this with others to build our community of resilience. To stay updated on the latest information, please follow us at and underscore life happened on Instagram. 
If you would like to share your Life Happens story of resilience, please complete the form in our Instagram bio. These are our personal stories, and we are not mental health professionals. This is not a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health or personal advice. Thank you.